0: Hey Rob, what are you working on?
1: Uh, hey Jordan, um, you know I had a couple extra minutes here, so working on a little thread over on Twitter.com, uh, mm. talking about um, you know the the selfless sacrifices that I make on a daily basis as a person with child, mm. and you know talking about the some of some of the people that uh, uh, flaunt their their childless privilege a little bit too much sometimes. Uh, and how they don't really appreciate the hard work that uh, that I and other parents are doing on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's going to go over really well. I think it's. I'm really like, you know, getting at something here. I think Twitter is really going to like this one.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that would um, be received poorly. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, um, I I'm agree. glad you're doing that. Speaking to those critical issues.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's there's a no better time than now to talk about this stuff.
0: Right. This is the moment. I think we're reassessing all aspects of society and culture. And um, what, better, what better time in a national and even global conversation about um, equity and injustice than to really center the issue that I think yes. impacts everyone that's, that's childless yeah. privilege. So the real heroes. It. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. Anyway, it's, part of it is just that I need to take my mind off uh, everything that's going on. Specifically, the uh, the race a couple of days ago, um, Elliot Engel and Jamal Bowman. Uh, you know, we had we had really put in a lot of work on that Engel campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, making making those really great graphics. He was racking mm-hmm. up all those those incredible endorsements from all the the Democratic Party heavy hitters. I thought we were really churning out some great material. It seemed to me like he was on his way to cruise to to yet another term. Uh, in congress but you know a little bit blindsided by what happened um and uh that's part of part of what i'm doing right now is just kind of you know move on from that kind of take my mind off it you know no time to focus on the those kind of uh negative things but it's been it, it was a little bit rough this earlier this week though
0: yeah i um did we had this moment remember you and i were up late at like three four yeah. in the morning really trying to like perfect the endorsement graphics, um, like when Tom Watson called us and was like, "Boys, we got a big one. The Queen, yeah, is descending from her throne. Hillary Rodham Clinton has endorsed our boy, Elliot Engel." I remember like the the, the joy on your face. Yeah. I mean, you probably saw it, the, the excitement on mine. But like, well, because like, clearly, oh it's God.
1: like that's at that point. I'm like, "Well, this is over. This thing's over, wrapped up now. Now that we got yeah.
0: that, yeah, we got to put together like that, that amazing endorsement graphic." Um, yeah, it was just like, that's like a moment that I'll never forget where I was when we learned that she was going to endorse Elliot and, um, yeah, to go from such highs thinking we're on top of the world, nothing could touch us in that moment. We were infinite Rob to go from that to, to this. It's just like, you have to wonder like, what were the voters thinking? Should they even be able to vote?
1: Yeah, I don't know i i ask myself that question often especially after moments like this Mm -hmm. and you know like when he when he showed up at the black lives matter rally and was like you know i'm only uh, i'm only (laughs) here because i have a a campaign going on right now i mean that's the Mm -hmm. kind of honesty that i thought people wanted to hear and i guess it's moments like that that you realize that maybe you're a little bit out of touch with what what voters want you know obviously we don't want to share this we don't we keep our, our kind of side projects going here but i did feel a little bit like i had missed something on this and that that was tough to come to terms with yeah um what are the numbers looking like in that uh that mcgrath uh booker race you know it's a
0: little yeah a little a little too close uh for comfort i mean i really thought our girl amy uh we thought she was gonna pull ahead we had what, millions in the bag for her that we raised uh, through bundling and, and, you know, Wall Street yes. fundraisers. I mean, this is just time and time again. This is how you win elections, and we that was the advice that we put forward. Um, so, you know, our next on the chopping block here, if we don't pull through, because Charles Booker only spent around 800000 on his campaign uh, and ads. So we, uh, you know, a little nervous there. It's like within a 10-point margin, and the two biggest cities haven't even had votes come in yet. But it looks like all uh, from the preliminary results from those areas, he's got an 80 to 20 uh, ratio coming in. So uh, nervous. right? But, you know, I think I think the big money time and time again, it's come through for us. So I think this the big money is going to pull ahead and our girl Amy is going to go ahead and get into the Senate and work with Trump just like we want.
1: Yeah. Just because McConnell's not doing enough for Trump. So we've got to get someone in there that's going to even do even more. Obviously, that's what you'd want um uh, but i think the important thing to remember though is that you know while we may have some tough times we don't always come come out ahead even if we would like to win every single time um what we need to make clear to like the consultants and, and other you know campaign staffers and these big uh, you know machine democratic party campaigns that you know all that money going to us to make these memes and and do this kind of consultancy work that we do I mean, that's, that's going into circulate the local economy, right? Where that's going into Mm -hmm. Postmates, all the different local Mm -hmm. delivery establishments, uh, LaCroix, all the different places where we're, we're spending that, you know? So I think if anyone does get upset about the fact that we're not delivering the right results, uh, every single time, I think the really important thing that they all need to take away is that we do, they just need to keep giving us that money. I think that's the most Mm -hmm. important thing because win or lose. I think that's just the, the best strategy uh, for everybody moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think um, the key to success is successful super PACs. I say this time and time again, uh, and and you know what does a super PAC do? It creates jobs. I haven't checked the numbers lately, but I gotta <laughs> yes. assume everyone in Kentucky's working because of us.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's it. I, I think it's not the time to get discouraged about any of this stuff. And uh, I think that's the takeaway that, that all our contacts um, in the sort of establishment of the Democratic Party need to take away from this, is that win or lose, the most important thing is continue giving us money. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone. Uh, it's the Insurgents. I believe it's episode. Um, I gotta check that in advance. I never do. It's one of the. It's up there. It's the new episode. Yeah, I gotta check that you? stuff ahead of time, but I'm, okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm a little bit tired, because um, I've been. I know you're normally like the gaming expert, but I've been staying up late every night this week playing The Last of Us 2. Oh, well, no spoilers. So pretty, um, yeah, I'm not going to give any spoilers.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, the highly anticipated.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I was really looking forward to that. I'm, I don't get to game much anymore these days, but I did really, really like the original. I m- completed it many times. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really enjoyed that. So I've I've had a. I mean, I guess it's kind of fun. It's not. It's not always fun. It's kind of an emotional roller coaster, but mm-hmm. uh, I've been enjoying getting back into that. Not really sleeping all that much though, in the in while that's going on. Damn, you're going nuts. Um, that's that's yeah. I've been going, going to bed sometimes like 1:30, 2 even. Holy sometimes. shit! Someone stop this really, guy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> really crazy stuff. No, uh, it's I, it's funny because the discourse around that game kind of got all weird because there's all these kind of like weird hyperbolic reviews comparing it to like Schindler's List and stuff that I think turned it into this kind of meme and people kind of getting the uh, the wrong idea about what what it's all about. Yeah. That was kind of fun.
0: uh that it seems like they a lot of their complaints and gripes revolved around uh the inclusivity of the storyline and how it you know featured uh, I think a trans character and it's just like I think about <laughs> When I play a video game and the types of things in games that don't that, that make me mad and it's like I lose or like I get killed it's never like oh this person likes somebody of a different gender than I do it's like it's just such a weird thing like I cannot comprehend yeah that someone and then like what that did that that collective outrage led to like a mass like uh one star review campaign on metacritic or whatever or whatever yeah some game review Well, there, site there's a couple
1: of different camps here there's like yeah. the sort of like uh the reactionary gamers that don't like that it's inclusive and has gay and transgender characters there's kind of the other side of that that people are just like it forces you to be violent and you have to be violent and you have no choice to to participate in this really ugly brutal violence but it's like well that's what? isn't that like all video speaking? games aren't yeah, all right. video games like that <laughs> go play like animal crossing and then there's there's another segment of of like last of us super fans that are just so distraught by some of the events that happen in the game that they're like doing petitions to get oh, naughty dog to remake it and stuff my god so there's a whole there's a whole lot of people that are mad at this game for a variety of different reasons but i've been enjoying it a lot i <laughs> would recommend people uh, check it out i'm
0: glad but i know uh one of our guests on this episode is a huge last of us fan so i'm sure that'll that'll come up um oh cool Huge, yeah. huge, huge fan. Um, th- this is yeah, that'll
1: be more in the gaming block. This is like the pre, <laughs> the pre gaming block. Yeah, getting, getting uh, discussion <laughs>
0: right? The A block of, yeah. the, of the interview, the gaming segment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a couple of things going on in the news. I just wanted to mention before we got to the the interview. And actually, do you just want to introduce uh, our guests that we're gonna have on in just a little bit?
0: Yeah, our guests today are Brian Garris and Kevin Otten from the Kentucky-based hardcore band knocked loose. And you might be asking yourself, wait a minute, why is is a band on to talk about uh, politics and and current events? It's because these guys um, have a huge platform because of, you know, their success. And over the past few weeks, they've leveraged it time and time again to help raise money for uh, various bail funds around the country, including that like 70 plus Bail Fund and racial justice organize, uh, organizer like Collective Act of Blue Fund, um, multiple pieces of fundraiser merch, um, and recently came out and endorsed Charles Booker in Kentucky. So you talking to them about how they have used their platform for social good uh, at a time when. You know, it's not it's not easy for them because they can't tour. So there's like a it's a dilemma. Yeah. Like I mean, they could easily just print shirts and rake in tons of cash that they def- they probably need right now because you know, like I said, like musicians are out of work. But they didn't do that. They they put it this they put this merch out and sold it on behalf of bail funds. So that's like that's just such a badass move. And they're great guys. It's not the first time they've done um, fundraisers or or. Or even like charity merch, they've done a uh, 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 border, the group Border Kindness, um, they raised money for them with a bunch of bands through a hoodie and shirt combo that um, said Smash Ice on it, so like not the first time these guys are are very, uh, you know, similar, similarly aligned politically as us, um, and like I said, they're good guys because they like games, so they love uh,
1: yeah <laughs>
0: Last of Us, so we have uh, a lot to talk about with them.
1: That's great. You're always introducing me to new hardcore bands that I didn't know about because I'm kind of not really part of that scene anymore. I kind of oh. was years ago, but not anymore. But I, it's cool though to to be introduced to all these new these new uh, folks. These are good ones. This is this is these guys are great. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to them. Um. So there's just a couple of of things going on in the news. Obviously, um. I think the main thing is that. I think this is holding true everywhere where this is happening where like economies are opening back up But especially in the u.s. right now uh, pretty pretty alarming uh, Figures coming out about like new coronavirus cases doesn't really seem like this whole plan to Just like ignore this and pretend it's not happening and just reopen all the bars and restaurants and everything Doesn't seem to be progressing too. Well,
0: uh, yeah. The Florida, like the, the, the Dade County or Palm Beach County, I think, county commissioner meeting the other day where the yeah. <laughs> residents yeah. testified over and over again about how like wearing a mask will kill you and how they're going to start doing citizen's arrests. It's just like <sighs> kind of sent my jaw to the floor because it's like really just like the perfect distillation of like misinformation and Facebook boomer echo chamber culture manifesting in reality during a time of crisis like this is this is the end result this is late stage facebook
1: yeah i think i i saw the phrase uh anti-mask rally uh, <laughs> in relation to one of these news stories and it just like broke something in my mind um and that's something that i just i i just I don't know why I didn't see this, but I just feel like I didn't see this coming that, that like just the basic idea of wearing a mask is going to become this like culture war issue. And you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's very fucked up the, the hearings that you were describing that you were talking about were like incredibly bizarre and hard to watch even. Yeah. Just the idea that not only like, can I not wear a mask and like, I don't want to do the bare minimum to see if I can maybe protect some people when I'm going out and doing stuff, but the idea that not only am I just not going to do it, but it's actually bad. And it's, it's worse for your health to wear a mask than to like, get this dead, this potentially deadly virus. And it's like, they're having all these stuff of it like, it messes with your oxygen levels or something, even though fucking nurses and doctors seem to wear them, uh, you know, for long periods of time, don't seem to have those same kind of issues. Um, I saw other people that were like printing out, these like badly spelled cards with like under the, under the disabilities act, I am exempt from having to wear a mask. And if you don't let me into this, into your place of business, you are discriminating against me because of my, and it's just like, Oh my, I don't know what, I don't know what you do about this. I don't know know how you confront this problem. We've talked a lot about how like this coronavirus thing is kind of a, this whole pandemic is a bit of like a warm up to eventually how we're going to be able to confront the climate crisis. And, uh, not not filled with a ton of hope right at the moment that that we're going to be able to do that kind of effectively and, and coherently especially in the united states like i said we're having these problems all over the place but it just seems to be as usual uh concentrated much more uh more there and it's it's pretty alarming
0: yeah i i think <laughs> you one of those one of those lines at that council or uh yeah council hearing was oh, you're turning your back on god's immaculate or beautiful breathing system. And I think about how beyond just like the traditional like bipartisan opposition like the people, people have been indoctrinated by religion to be anti-science as well. And we see it just like the it's like everything is coalescing now into this movement. All factions. And we see like there's even yeah. like a 5G element now. And it's just like all of these different types of like kooks are combining well, that's real. forces. It's, well, yeah, of course. It's like all the infinity stones are being collected. It's like the five G yeah, people, yeah. like
1: the QAnon people. Yeah. They're all they're the all banding together. Stupid <laughs> Exactly. Um Yeah, but something like the 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 thing that I find kind of uh, uh interesting to follow is how you have these like Republican governors i like no one has has handled this really well. I think like you look at New York City uh, managed completely by Democrats, has not handled this pandemic well, so um don't want to just single out the Republicans and conservatives, but I do find it kind of odd that there's these like conservative figures in politics and media that kind of like encouraged the whole those first kind of uh, protests against the lockdown that kind of suggested like I, I'm thinking of that, that incident with the salon shop owner that like got herself arrested. And then you had like uh, Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott kind of like saying, Oh no, she's, she's doing, she's in the right here and she's being persecuted even though it's his own lockdown order that's getting <laughs> defied. And so now you have the situation where they kind of encouraged that and they kind of encouraged people to mistrust what the government's saying about this. And now the cases are rising so much that they're having to slow down or halt altogether, reopening their economies. And it's like, I don't, I don't see how that's going to go over with people. You know, like, uh, you, you've already kind of given them permission to question this and to rail against it. And now you're going to try and like, do like some kind of other lockdown or tell them that, oh no, actually you can't go to bars and restaurants anymore. I don't know. I don't know if people are going to accept that. And it's, uh you know doesn't doesn't really bode well for a lot of these places yeah i yeah that's a
0: perfect example and now abbott is saying that he is regretting opening um after you know kind of pandering to that crowd uh i think you pointed out today on twitter it's like okay we'll see how easy it is to get people to um agree to another shutdown after being like you know Groomed to oppose it by right-wing leaders, and now we're seeing these massive spikes in red states Well now what do you do and just it's, it's you know, it's it's kind of funny kind of sad but ultimately kind of scary because It's not so much about what they do if they're not wearing a mask because they're spreading it to other people the trajectory uh, of Like the spread is more dangerous when they're not wearing a mask and really wearing a mask is to prevent you from spreading it to other people if they get it and they incubate it for, as we've seen early on, like weeks at a time without knowing it, sometimes that's that's really dangerous. You're gonna you're gonna see waves of waves of people dying, and like I think the White House and right wing government officials have been really cautious and unrealistically conservative in their death estimates, but they just bumped it up by like a hundred thousand today. We're at, like, 160,000, yeah. 70,000 deaths in the United States. And they said, no, no, that's actually the projection is probably going to be closer to 230,000, 250,000. And that's, like, probably probably a small estimate, too. That's, like, best-case scenario, which I don't see happening.
1: Yeah. No, like you pointed out, it, it would be easy to laugh at the people if it was just the people talking about, like, how it's a hoax and, and uh, you know, wearing a mask is going to... Um, you know, kill you and that it's all part of some conspiracy from the Chinese and Bill Gates to activate uh, nanobots that you got through vaccines in your body or whatever. (laughs) If it was only them that were were contracting this and and suffering for it, maybe you might want to have a little chuckle at that, but it never really is. It's just like, it's going to be people in nursing homes, people on the front lines in hospitals and, and ICU wards. So that's the thing. It's like, you can't even really laugh at it, even though if these people are ridiculous, because it's as always, it's like innocent people and people that, that are trying to do the right thing that are going to be caught in the crossfire of that. So it's just really kind of like sad and, and gross. Yeah.
0: Um, I, <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else? No, it's just too grim. I don't want to think about it anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. The other thing I just, I just want him to mention too, because there's something kind of interesting happening right now as well that everyone, I think you need to like kind of be aware of this, which is that a lot of these uprisings and protests are still ongoing. But we're getting to that point where the the news cycle is kind of trying to move on now. Uh, there's less of like a a mass popular awareness of this. Everyone's kind of trying to move on, and you can almost feel yourself like getting pulled along with that. Um, but I think it is it is really worthwhile to remember that that these these uprisings and protests are still ongoing. The police are still out there tear gassing people. Um, none of these issues have gone away. And that's what I think the kind of ruling class, the people that that, you know the people in the media the people in politics they would really like for things to just move on now and to kind of die down mm-hmm. um like saw, it, it's funny because like the, everything moves so fast that that ridiculous uh trump tulsa uh rally that he did it's almost completely forgotten but that was that was incredibly surreal too <laughs> his whole election campaign is just like now showing that he can drink a glass of water properly and it wasn't even really properly um it's just it's so bizarre and it's it's so easy to focus on how ridiculous everything is and focus on the stupidity of of trump and the election but uh i think everyone needs to always keep remembering that all the stuff these uprisings are still ongoing and that no matter how ridiculous things get or how much uh the the media or whoever else tries wants to try to move on from this um that should still you know we should still remember that the pressure is going to need to continue for for real change to happen
0: the the drinking the water and the reaction from the right absolutely killed me it just shows like how much they're <laughs> scraping the bottle of so- the barrel for anything good right now like the greatest president ever like tweets and ch- shit <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about it's like it, I, is it yeah. just that like the, the election is going to become like all right, well, he's less senile and he's, he has less dementia or yeah. he's like less.
1: It seems like it is.
0: Progressed less into his dementia. Like, co- cool. This is the great conversation to be having.
1: Great. Well, and this is the thing too, because like we've talked a lot on this show since the election was going on about Biden and everything. I know I'd such a weak candidate um, for a number of reasons, which I still believe. And I still do think that if, if this pandemic had not happened and the economy had not kind of collapsed as a result, uh, I would be really worried about uh, Biden's chances of winning, but it seems like uh, because of this crisis has happened, all of a sudden that has kind of flipped and Trump is kind of floundering right now. I don't want to make any predictions about what's going to happen in the election because, you know, I'm kind of getting out of that game now. Uh, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't predict that the thing's over or anything, but I think it is true also that, um, you know, in 2016, as, as preposterous as it was, uh, Trump did had have kind of like a legitimate critique of the ruling class of the way the system is set up and he kind of had legitimate, you know, uh, critique of, of the uh, Clinton and the, the sort of establishment of the democratic party and the sort of different economic policies and different things that they've been a part of. But now it's like, it's, he's just got none of that. It's just like, yeah, I can drink a glass of water. Uh, they're trying to make Biden into like Antifa, even though he's like mm-hmm. obviously very not that it's just kind of leaning into this lame culture war shit. And I don't think that's going to grab hold of people in the same way that it might have uh, a while ago, or if, or it might have if if the economy was going well. So, yeah, not really looking too good for the the, the POTUS right now, uh, President Trump. But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make any predictions about it.
0: Yeah, I think he he said just enough um, about people's material conditions and the lack of progress made by both parties in that front in 2016 to convince just enough people to win the primary and then ultimately the election. Now it's a totally different ballgame. I agree with you there. He's just, it's no one's material circumstances for the most part have, have actually improved. Like objectively, things are much worse for way more people. So focus, it's its weird that they would not try to, I mean, I guess it would just bring scrutiny um, on their failures if they tried to talk about it. So now they're just going to pivot to uh, oh yeah, he uh, he's got the water. He uh, he looks like a boss when he's walking off the plane without the you know. Yeah. He doesn't have his tie tie. That's a working man right there. He's exhausted <laughs> for you. He's fighting for you. It's just like they're so fucking desperate. They're doing like what Hillary's campaign tried to do, like optics bullshit, but like way yeah, worse yeah. because it's just not something the right typically does. That's so like more like a left campaign approach.
1: Yep. Anyway, it's it's odd in general how much the sort of election has taken a backseat to every other thing that's going on. I mean, this we kind of started this podcast to cover the election, and I feel like that's kind of like the minor the minor storyline <laughs> in, in the news right now. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. It's, so Biden's taking like a commanding lead in all these polls now. I'm not going to extrapolate anything from that. Uh, It's not looking too good for Trump at the moment, but the last thing I would do is start predicting, like, oh, oh, he's done. Trump's finished this time, because (laughs) as we've seen repeatedly throughout the last four years, often when people start saying that, uh, that's when the exact opposite thing actually happens, and he somehow manages to squirm away from it. It's that, ah, well, nevertheless thing that happens every single time. So I'm not not going to make any predictions about the election yet.
0: Smart. Well, speaking of predictions, though, I'm not sure if you saw... Uh, the lincoln project put out one of their own prediction maps that had uh trump oh yeah losing mississippi uh louisiana uh indiana and somehow nobody winning the two electoral college votes that are up for grabs in nebraska um cool i think that that's cool uh smart i think it's a smart prediction yeah. and we should hear them out
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna get too uh i'm not gonna get too um wrapped up in in the people celebrating early because uh, we all remember what happened uh four years ago when the polls certainly showed one thing was about to happen and that's not what ended up happening so
0: well, on earth too
1: um so. yeah in earth too yeah everything <laughs> we're all at, we're at brunch right now <laughs> Um this is getting pretty long do you want to uh, do you want to do some reviews? let's do it let's do it okay we're gonna quickly do some reviews over on uh, our new segment feedback corner <laughs> okay so this is feedback corner we're back from the, my little theme there I didn't I did not share the theme with you before last no. week. I hope you're okay with that. Where's it from? It's fun, it's a fun little ditty. We had
0: questions in the Discord uh, about yeah, no. the source, the origin. I
1: think it might be from The Simpsons. I don't really remember. I remember I found it... Um, I found it somewhere when I was kind of thinking about doing a segment like this. Yeah. I think it was like a Simpsons, like, we'll be right back message, but I don't really remember. I don't really remember. All right, cool. But it's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I, I enjoy it. Um. Okay, so... I guess we're going to... My favorite part of every episode, when you read the the wonderful reviews from our great <laughs> listeners who are very respectful. <laughs> um, let see, this review, right off the bat, uh, says, Nice of Ken to let those other guys guest host, but does it have to be so often? Good show, though. So, uh, we, we do not guest host... It's really, you know, Ken just, he gets in there sometimes, he's in some episodes, he's not the host of the show. Don't know how many more ways I can say this. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, can't make that any clearer to everybody. Not that mm-hmm. he does not host the show. Yikes. Eventually people are going to wrap their minds around this, I guess, I think they'll get that's, it. I think, maybe that's
0: yeah, maybe I much. could just put a, another, like, line in the show notes about, like, cl- to clarify, like, who's hosting and it's not, it's not Ken.
1: Yeah, because it it's not it's not clicking with people um this one from uh smitten two six two six on apple podcasts it says smart politics show this show is really great the format is a little weird some of it is really smart some of it is a little too weird for my tastes but luckily they put all the weird zany stuff after the intro Mm -hmm. so you don't have to listen to that if you don't want to we'll definitely keep coming back for the smart political analysis they do at the very beginning of the show these guys really know their stuff. That was good. So it's nice to get a non-joke review every now and then. Yeah, Just something yeah. that's completely serious. Someone finally it. A gets nice, that's a nice, that's a refreshing change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's nice when we're putting the effort to make this show that people kind of get what it's about and, and you accurately, you know, summarize that in the reviews. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you come, like, we come for, like, the five minutes at the beginning of, of political analysis, and then you stay for an hour or so of satire. We put in a lot of work. Yeah, where
1: we're kind of, yeah, exactly.
0: So, thank you for getting it. Can I read this last one from Insane, Insane Mistress, or do you want to read it?
1: Okay, I got, I actually have one more. I, got I, it. I, I'm going to read this one, I because I, I see another one. I'm going to read this one, then you can do this, because this is a great review. Okay? okay. Uh, The review says, five stars. Best podcast. Uh, I only like Robert on this podcast. Ken is a bad co-host because he's too lazy to show up for most episodes. He's too busy pretending to be his own wife in Trump's Menchies after him and his brothers got banned from Twitter. Jordan Burt is featured too often as a guest and should go back to being a guest on cable news. Ah, and you like that one. Yeah, I thought that was great. That was good stuff. That one. You don't. You don't agree with that or it's not my favorite.
2: Mm,
1: Okay. Well, you know, I've said this before. we don't always have to agree on every single, Mm -hmm. you know, whether, whether one review is good or bad, we don't have to be in lockstep on that. This is this is a free exchange of ideas. Uh Nothing wrong with that at all. I thought that was a tremendous review though. So thank you to to that person.
0: Yeah. Now I see why you wanted to read it. Okay. Well, all right, I'll think
1: about it. <laughs> Jordan Burke was pretty was pretty good. I <laughs> no, thought. Good. Uh, I don't right. believe that is your name. I've, it's but, not. It's not. You know, I think they were trying. They were trying to get there.
0: Um, we'll see how this yeah. one goes. This, this, this. Okay. Maybe, maybe we'll like this one. Uh, informative but divisive. Five stars. Oh, I already regret it. I love the Kenny Clips Variety Hour as much as the next gal, oh. but the. I know. I'm sorry, but the guests. The guest hosts send conflicting signals to listeners. I reached out on Twitter to voice my love of this pod. Jordy was supportive and liked to see my positive comment. But Bob tried to silence me on a private party's platform. Very sad that Bob isn't enjoying his co-host status. Jordy has a cute cat, though, so highly recommend the pod. All right, so that one came around at the end. Um, Yeah. But again. I do honor- not go
1: by Bob though. No no one calls me that. So Nobody? Not, not to my knowledge. Oh, okay. And anyway, um it's also the no. show's not called
0: the Kenny Clips Variety Hour.
1: No, it's I really wish people would stop doing this. You know, it's not funny anymore. Yeah, we had a good laugh about this stuff. Great, you know. It was very funny. Congratulations everyone. I'm real I'm ready for the to move on from this though. That's not the name of the show, so let's just let's not do this anymore. I mean, it's just everyone's getting tired of it. I'm tired of it. Can we just put Jordan. a censor
0: on this? Can we censor like fake show so. names? All right, I'll call Apple. Um, let's
1: yeah, see please, what we can please do, do that because that's it's getting to be too much now to me. Okay. Yeah. Um. So those are those are the, those are the reviews for this week. Uh, thanks to everyone, I guess, for sending them. Again, uh, please keep reviewing the show. We always appreciate uh, getting those. Not always. Sometimes. We often appreciate them. Sometimes not. But still do it. Uh, leave good reviews and not bad ones, ideally. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail. The voicemail numbers in the show notes, we've collected a couple of those, and we'll, we'll get back to those in, in uh, one of the next episodes. We've got some good one, some good voicemails. So send us a voicemail. Uh, you can also subscribe over on uh, theinsurgents.substack.com. You can get access to our Discord server over there, which we mentioned already. Uh, really great little community going on there. Uh, there is also a no Ken channel where Ken is not allowed to participate. So if anyone kind of is, is looking for a place that's kind of free of his his influence, uh, you can do it over there. And is that everything? Do we have anything else we don't want to mention?
0: No, I think that's it. Let's get to the let's get to the interview. Uh, so right after this, we'll be with uh, Kevin Otten and Brian Garris of Knocked Loose. Yep. All right. So now we're joined by Kevin Otten Ryan Garris of, of Kentucky Sweethearts, Knock Loose. How are you guys? Thanks for joining us.
3: Good, thank you. Good, thank you for having
0: us. Has anyone called you Kentucky Sweethearts before? No, this is the
2: first. <laughs> Not that I know of, at least. I think we should go with
3: it.
0: Yeah,
2: lots of people think it. It's funny <laughs> to, it's funny to see like, or to hear like the things, that, the way that people will describe you. Like it's usually some like really exaggerated like. From the mud, skull crushing, <laughs> like 10,000 pound knocked loose. Um, they're always just trying to paint this picture of the opposite of what we are actually like. Yeah. But you just went straight for something way more realistic.
1: Big old softies. T- yeah. The t- nicest t- boys. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Will Putney did that once, actually, called us uh, nice boys yeah it's just nice that's voice. how before i had met either of you guys uh digitally
0: of course they uh that's how you had always been described by people in your scene it's just like oh they're the nicest they're the nicest kids ever it's like oh that's great and then you juxtapose that with the sound of your of your music and it's just like oh huh, that's really interesting, that's an interesting yeah <laughs> wait a minute we're, it's we're, like no,
2: it's like people feel like they have to like defend us like no i know what their music sounds like but they're really nice <laughs> <laughs> um so we typically like to open uh, outside of you know
0: um talking about the personalities of the guests we like to open the show with uh, a little small talk or water cooler talk typically revolving around video games and recently there's been a hot release uh that rob and brian you both are, are really stoked about the last of us too now brian last of us is your favorite game right yeah, part 1, yeah. So you're 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 stoked, you're you're ready for part 2. And you have you have not started it, correct?
2: I haven't. No, I it's been hard to avoid all the spoilers, but yeah. I just feel like I, you have to be ready to commit to something like that.
1: It's very heavy too, so you have to be in the right headspace. You have to have the emotional capacity to really get into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I f- I feel like everything <laughs> that's going on is heavy, so I don't know if I'm ready to take take on like the burden of a depressing video game.
1: <laughs> that's yeah.
0: It's very like uh emotionally astute too cuz I feel like a lot of people don't consider that. And it's something I noticed not to say that I'm like emotionally uh, advanced or anything but I'm just saying like I, I had a moment where I was playing Call of Duty at the onset of the pandemic and I was just like this game is making me miserable. Like the colors are drab, everything is bleak, I'm dying constantly. This isn't fun. I'm just not going to play anymore. And I went back to Fortnite where everything's colorful and it's like candy land
2: on like a, in a video game. <laughs> yeah. And, and the last of like... us is
1: literally about a pandemic too. I mean, that's the whole <laughs> yeah. premise right. of the game. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Like as soon as the pandemic like, uh, really hit, I started playing, uh, resident evil, which is oh, like, man pretty close okay to that's one approach what yeah. our life is and, <laughs> but even like I was talking to my friend last night that just finished the last of us part two and he was like like uh, uh, aside from the game being like as heavy as it is or as heavy as I'm assuming it will be he was like now what like I just spent like I think yeah. he he looked at his game time and I think that he beat it in like 27 hours and he was like now there's just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing after this, and I've definitely felt that. Like I, I prefer story mode games much more than like online multiplayer games. So like, you get so invested into a story, and then it's over, and then you're like, "All right, well, I guess I'll go back to Fortnite." <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is the Last of Us the kind of game that will put out like DLC, like extending the story, or like anything? They
1: did in like the that? first one. There was a DLC for the first one called Left Behind, which was really good, actually.
2: Yeah, it was like a side game. I think yeah. that it came out with the remastered. Yes. Um, there's so much cool stuff with the first one. Like, as if you're like a fan of the game, and you you can like just play the story mode and enjoy it. But if you want to dive deeper, like I feel like they've done a really good job at like creating this like um, atmosphere around the game. Like I even own the. I'm a huge like record collector and they made like f- they pressed uh the soundtrack to vinyl and it's like this beautiful it's amazing box yeah. set yeah and like um, this the score yeah absolutely and um the the music alone in the game I think that I feel like it's one of those things where like for video game nerds or something like I can hear it and know exactly what it is same with like people can hear like halo and know that it's halo
1: <laughs> what do you think about some? We talked a little bit about like the the controversy about it in the upfront part of this episode because I was I'm obsessed with it right now and I've been I've been thinking about it a lot and staying up all night playing it recently. Uh, you saw that like there's online it became kind of like a meme. People were kind of like there. There's all kinds of different camps that are like mad about the game for various reasons. Like there's the reactionaries that are mad that you know there's like gay and transgender characters in it. There's people that are like upset, or it's weirdly they hide hold it to this weird standard where like it 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 forces you to uh, be violent and to do all these dark, terrible acts, and and it's like, well, I don't know, that's just like most video games to me. Yeah. Um. Did you notice that? Like that was kind of funny that whole discourse cycle that I haven't. Mine's over.
2: Um. I haven't actually seen any of that. Luckily, I mean, maybe my timeline is just filled with like more important news. I think that if you're somebody that's like upset okay. dunk on wow. rob. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I didn't mean that at all. I just mean that like It's all right. It's all right, man. It's if right. you're upset that there's like gay and transgender characters in, in like your video game, like you need to walk outside and realize that there's there's better fights to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Right,
1: right, I think, I think my timeline was more of the people that are like, you know, kind of talking about how it, how you, the game is like really dark and harrowing and, uh, the violence is really kind of brutal and upsetting sometimes. And people are like, you know, without really having any experience with it, kind of saying like, Oh, it's like, it's, uh, it's using these violent tropes to, you know, it's emotionally manipulative and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh I I d- yeah it's a I lot d- of people that I don't think are familiar with the actual game and just read a bad review f- about it uh and then made fun of that yeah. and then kind of pictured formed their opinion on it based on that.
2: I definitely realized how like that sounded like a diss at your timeline. I de- I didn't mean it that way.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all right. I
2: kind of was just like I mean like, for a second like happy that my timeline was showing me st- stuff that I actually cared about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for fair on
2: Rob's timeline. That's fine. We can it's, do that. It is.
1: It's okay. Yeah. It's
2: <laughs> totally fine. I keep anyway, like ke- I was saying
1: before, I was saying before the chat, uh, if you do start the game and you need some like emotional support group, I am here for you if you want to reach out. Yeah, definitely. If you want to <laughs> it, it, confront the, the really heavy shit that goes on. Well, well I'll, I'll just run, have I'll to like uh, you.
2: hit you up to just talk about it in general just because like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I've been trying Please to do. get Kevin. Kevin is like. He's quiet right now, just because we're talking about The Last of Us. But Kevin's like a p- very passionate about video games, and I've been trying to get him to play The Last of Us for years. But he's like he he plays on PC, and it's like strictly PC master. Yeah, PlayStation.
3: I'm quiet because I'm literally playing Destiny 2 right now. <laughs> as you're, we're talking, you're multitasking. Yeah, <laughs> because well, yeah, like Brian said, it's like. You guys are talking about Last of Us and Last of Us Two, and I have no idea about that game at all. So I'm just like, oh, I'll, I'll let them nerd out over it.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the sign of a true gamer. I mean, a true gamer never yeah. logs off.
3: Yeah, like I'm. It's it's grind grind season in Destiny, so I got to do it. <laughs> oh, I just dropped um, off a cliff.
0: Well, you know what we could do, uh, Kevin. If you if you do get a uh, even an old PlayStation 3 and play through Last of Us One, I will happily I'll play through. I have not played through it yet either, so yeah. I'll, I'll be your. Play through it at the same we time. Can lean on each other. Yeah, <laughs> if we could do that. Wait, you haven't played I want played to
3: just it? so I can like appease Brian. I have not,
0: I have not. I've been keeping that to myself because I didn't
2: want to let you down. Yeah, I feel, feel like I haven't, <laughs> played, I haven't played through number one. You were sending me like so I think it's many- just a
1: really good, it's a really good mix of, um, I think like the gameplay is really tight and um, very intense and like the, the whole engine is good, but it's really like a level of motion capture and voice acting that I think is rarely achieved in a lot of games where it's like you can kind of, get invested in these characters and the story and kind of like you, it emotionally resonates with you because it's treated very seriously, the storyline. Um, and it's not, you know, just kind of camp stuff that's in there to fill time in between shooting zombies or murdering people or whatever. Yeah. I um, agree. so it, it, it's, it's taken so seriously that part that I think it'll, it bring, pulls you into the story in a way that other games of that kind of genre don't really do.
2: I think, yeah, I think it plays like a really well written movie. Like, um I I could see like people enjoying just like watching streams of it um and and it's not one of those games that focuses too hard on the cutscenes, but I just but it's done so well that yeah I agree I think that it gives you the opportunity to like really like um fall like build like fall in love with the characters
0: yes yeah, Naughty Dog does a really good job at that. I've, I've been a huge fan of Uncharted <clears throat> from them and it's like a similar style of gameplay from what I can tell It's not cutscenes. Uh, it's more like a cinematic gameplay style Yeah, it kind of yeah. integrates like really high polished sequences, but you're still in control. It's it's really great I
2: really like um, all the Uncharted games as well. Oh, they're fantastic. They're so fun. yeah I just recently went back and like during quarantine I I replayed part four just because I was like running out of new games to play, they're so great. They're so great.
1: Yeah, I love those as well. Well, um, I could probably spend reasons. the whole next hour talking <laughs> right. about this, so we should probably <laughs> just like move on to the actual substance yeah. like, of what we're here to talk about.
0: So, we wanted to t- have you guys on, uh, because you have been one of the more active bands, uh, in diving headfirst into the moment we're in and using platform and leveraging it for good. So you've done multiple fundraisers and multiple like items of limited run merch uh, to help fundraise for various bail funds and racial justice groups um, and, and, and efforts around the country to bring more equity, uh, create a more equitable and just society. And you know, some people, it's easy for people to just turn a blind eye to it or just post a black square. It's another thing to, you know, sell merch that could have otherwise, um, you know, paid your bills, but donate the proceeds. You know, that's, I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing, especially for musicians right now because they can't tour. So, what is it about this moment and what was the process like for you guys to, you know, think about this and and, and choose to take action?
2: Um, I think that it's just, um, I don't know. I feel like we've always, I mean as a band we're all on the same page when it comes to these things um but with that being said i feel like as like the singer i've always kind of tried to make like our opinions known without necessarily being labeled as like a political band like there are things that mm-hmm. i would say on stage and and blah, blah blah so like when 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 all of this started happening i feel like yeah we all obvi- we obviously like felt very like um in tune with what was going on just because like be, i feel like being a part of like the hardcore culture um it's sometimes a much more reliable source of news um because like your timeline on twitter is like all of these people um generally like-minded people posting and sharing the same thing so like um even if we wanted to stay for some reason, even if we wanted as a band to stay silent during this, it would be impossible to ignore. Um, but beyond that, I think that it was like it would be like irresponsible for us to um, ignore a platform. So, so to mm-hmm. me, and I feel like to the other guys, um, it was kind of just like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, we're gonna do this because like this is an easy way to help. Like to us, it's an easy way to help. Like the person that designs our merch. Very good friend of ours. So it's just like, hey, we want to do this. And like, we, we put it up. And, um, we, we quickly learned that like at some point, um, we started gaining the attention of people that don't necessarily have the same opinions as us. Um, oh boy. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not here to like <laughs> bash anyone for their opinion or anything, but, um, we I have no problem doing yeah, that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but like for us it was a huge shocker to me because I mean you feel like um on on Twitter all I see is people with the same opinions as me because my timeline is people that I follow that and I follow them because of the things that we have in common. So like you think that like oh yeah like we're a hardcore band. We're gonna do this hardcore thing and Hardcore people are going to understand and then the, there's like a lot of people that didn't and that was a huge um, Huge surprise to me something that I just Still didn't really re- expect but um, at that point. I feel like it kind of um, Made all of us buckle down and be like yeah I mean this is this is like the the hill that we have to die on now because like it's easy to, to me at least, like it's easy to be at a show and be on stage and you're at a hardcore show and you're like, racism is bad. And then everybody claps. Um, it, <laughs> it it's kind of, it's definitely different when, when you're making these statements, um, knowing that not everybody's going to disagree with you. That's when it kind of makes it harder. So, um, yeah, we just kind of all were on the same page as Like, yeah, we, it would be irresponsible to ignore our platform, especially when there's people that apparently need to learn.
1: I did want to ask about that,
2: that potential backlash
1: because I find that really odd. Um, Cause I've seen a number of different kind of hardcore bands lately take stands on this and, and you know, uh, uh, talk about openly about this and social justice and criminal justice and anti-racism and stuff. And to see people, respond to that and saying like get your get your politics out of my hardcore and stuff like that and that's just so fucking bizarre to me because to <laughs> me that's what that's what hardcore has always been about is about having that element of social justice and positive change uh and even if you're not like an inherently political band there's all i think like that element has always been there in hard in hardcore uh and that's i find that really perplexing when people respond like that uh like like this idea of talking about social justice in the context of hardcore is some kind of like um, a front or something that's not a, completely baked into the genre in the first place like what the fuck are you listening to hardcore for in the, in the first place yeah. or it's like the same people that are just like hey Rage Against the Machine I like them until they got all political and stuff like that <laughs> but it's like what what music are you listening to like are you, you're not really paying attention I think to what some of these bands are yeah, saying. Yeah
3: that's ex- seeing all those posts about the Rage Against the Machine stuff was so funny Like, it's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what just I was like you' like. until you're political yeah it's like what <laughs> who are you listening to
2: I think it was Kevin that actually um, sent me that post of like a guy commented on Tom Morello's Instagram and was like, "Oh, now all of a sudden everybody has like a degree in political <laughs> science." And yeah, from Harvard. And, yeah, or something. and like Tom Morello's response was like, "You don't need a degree in political science from Harvard to know that like basic human rights are being ignored." that's coming from someone that has a degree in political science from Harvard. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I was just fully blindsided by that. Like, I don't know. I just, I never thought in a million years that we would post something like that and get any sort of backlash. And like, I don't care. Like, I think that it's better that these people are outing themselves. Um, because, but, but I just like, didn't see it coming. I don't know. I thought that like, like, it was a no-brainer.
3: Yeah, to not be
2: racist and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's weird how, like, ra- I think racism is bad. It's become this, like, controversial statement that, like, gets everyone all upset.
2: Yeah, people are like, oh, I don't really like talking politics. And it's like, it's not politics anymore, it's racism.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, You so you, you have done two different
0: items now. So you have the the collaboration with uh, Dying Wish, the Portland-based uh, band and you split the benefit, you split the proceeds between well, I think the Louisville Freedom Fund and then a bail fund in Portland uh, and then you have another uh, item, uh, a shirt that has like a fist in the air and says Black Lives Matter and it's a bunch of bands logos and this was like several or more groups that came together uh, and in and, and a joint effort to raise money for, this is like the 70 plus fund that many people have seen through an Act of Blue link that just Dispenses the proceeds evenly among uh, fifty to s- or so bail funds, and then some racial justice organizers. Um, those two items uh, collectively. How
2: much did you did you raise for these for these bail funds? Um, I don't think that the final numbers are in on um, on the second one that we did, but the last time that I was updated, I think that it was around thirty six thousand nice. um, dollars. Nice. The the first one, uh, I'm also. A little bit unaware I feel like that was more of like dying wishes even dying wishes um, idea and they asked us to be a part of it and we were um, obviously down but uh, th- the second yeah. shirt was kind of just like an idea that I was hit up by um Maddie who plays bass in Year of the Knife and she kind of wanted to do a shirt and I was like well we just did a shirt with dying wish so like what if I took this idea and like we got this band and this band and this band, and it was like everybody posting about one thing, because at that at this point I was starting mm-hmm. to see um, the impact that like one shirt would have. Like I think that the first time I saw, it was like Mind Force from New York. They posted that they did a shirt, and then when the, by the time the pre-orders were over, they raised like over ten grand, and I was like, wow, that's amazing if they can raise 10 grand and we can raise 10 grand and they can raise 10 grand. Well, that's 30 grand. Like, so let's like, let's try to get all these people to post about the same thing. Um, and then I ended up contacting you to just, uh, try to figure out the the best place to, to put this stuff. Uh, and you actually helped me find the, Mm. a way to spread it evenly. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that it worked out. Yeah, it's been, it, I think it's just been
0: really cool to see as someone who's, you know, listened to and listened to hardcore music for years and gone to shows for years, seeing people that I've listened to and some who have come to know, like all in like unison, it seems just like, yep, this is what we're doing. This is how this is how we can help. And to me, like also seeing at a time when people can't tour, um, willing to, to kind of pass on doing their own merch to make money. Um, That's that's a huge commitment. I think I think that's been really impressive to me and and heartwarming heartwarming to see.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, thank you. I mean, I I definitely didn't do it. I mean, we didn't do it for like pats on the back or anything. I just like um, I I really think that it would be um, stupid to ignore the platform that we've been given. I mean, we've been given this opportunity from the people that support us and like um, I'm just happy to help in any way that I can really. Right.
0: So you guys are in Kentucky. Uh, you are just outside of uh, Louisville, who Kevin Kevin and his friend made fun of me for mispronouncing the other day. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, and this is you've seen a, an uptick in protest and activism at home because of Breonna Taylor and Brian. You had said that this is this is something that really struck you, and you went to the protest. This was your first protest. Could you explain what that experience was like?
2: Yeah, um I think that it was extremely powerful. Um it was very eye-opening um and all and all in like a very to an extent in a very positive way. I mean the the first we got to participate um well, um we went to several of these demonstrations until we were actually um out of town, but when I was there like the first day that I was there I was like I was nervous I didn't really know what to expect and I was I ended up being there for five and a half hours and it was just um, it was truly amazing and we got to march in solidarity with all of these people and really just listen which I think was like a huge thing that I took away from this entire experience is just listening like as a a white male like I don't I can't speak on these feelings and I I don't know what what this is like so um I was there and I was listening to these people that were just fighting so hard and um it was very emotional and um it was very peaceful and I just can't say like enough good things about my experience and then of course later on in the evening um within the blink of an eye really everything went um very very bad uh, mm-hmm. and the, but I mean, I'm, that's like, yeah, it was just very peaceful until the police were involved.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It seems like at a lot of these protests seem pretty peaceful and great until all of a sudden this weird thing happens when cops show up in riot gear with shields and batons and tear gas, and then everything gets all crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird coincidence how that always <laughs> seems to happen at these it's protests. Like, I,
2: I mean, <laughs> you, I feel like you read all these things on the internet and then. Like I was aware that these things happened because I, I've read about them, but then like I was actually there and witnessed them firsthand and it was like it was really scary to 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 be down there and I mean people were dancing and people were smiling and there were there were kids and they would put these like they put this little girl on top of a car and she was like leading these chants and it was like so amazing and then literally I would say within the span of one hour uh the police showed up in riot gear. They had snipers on the roof of all these buildings within this like uh this big four way downtown by the courthouse. And it's like uh they we were all standing and we heard like this big giant pop and they were like throwing uh like flashbangs. Yeah flashbangs? Yeah. Um for no reason. I mean like really I was I was I can't like I'm not exaggerating at all it was it was just fine and then all of a sudden they just started throwing these flashbangs and it and it was like they were trying to like incite fear and then they react negatively towards people's fear and it was just very confusing yeah. and um at that point you saw that the the riot police were kind of uh blocking in this four way and then that's when things got like face to face with the put the police in riot gear and then tear gas was thrown and the rubber bullets were shot and the pepper bullets were shot and um, things just turned to chaos, like within the blink of an eye. Um, It was really scary. And it, it was just a huge eye opener for me because like uh, in a positive way, I got to, I got to be a part of this like really powerful, impactful movement that these people had curated and witness all of this like these strong people use their voices for good, and then it was also really eye-opening in a negative light because I I firsthand witnessed all these terrible things that I've always read about. That like not I'm not saying by any means that I was on the side of the police before I had my own proof, but it was it was very scary to see that like they showed up and they caused a war zone, and yeah, I don't know, it was crazy.
1: I think one of the most fucked up things that I noticed watching these protests play out is just the idea that, I mean, these are protests that are based they're They're about police brutality and reigning in police violence, defunding the police. And the police there are like fully aware that the whole world is watching what's happening. And i think the really remarkable thing is the fact that it, they just would not change their reaction they don't change their behavior they didn't seem to say i think maybe they might have gotten the message now even though people are still being tear gassed uh now at protests but to a certain extent i think they've realized like oh uh, maybe you know maybe while everyone's watching us for signs of brutality we should not be openly antagonizing and brutalizing people in full view and like media people and. It, it just shows the extent of the rottenness that's at the basis of this institution that they can't even like shut off this behavior even when it's in their own best interest to do so. Um, yeah. That that was really shocking for me, you I You feel like
2: every like boss of a job would gather their employees and be like, hey, they yeah. saw you spitting in the food. <laughs> so we absolutely cannot spit in the food anymore because now they're watching <laughs> for us to spit in the food. Um, yeah. But it's like that now they're like so, something gave them the bravery to do these things in the open. And I think that it's just because time and time again, they get away with it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, it yeah. shows that they're just, there's no fucking consequences for any of this stuff for any of them. So they're like, well, why would I change my behavior? It's not like I'm going to get in any trouble anyways. And this is why I'm a cop in the first place. Cause I like to beat up vulnerable no. people. So
3: you have power <laughs> over people who you think are weaker than you kind of, yeah, think. they're just high school bullies at that point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Yeah. so you, you've seen this firsthand. you, you were motivated by um, the murder of Breonna Taylor by the police and the injustice around like we just talked about no consequences at all um, and you've, you've been pretty passionate about that I mean you're, you're constantly talking about it and posting about it and you've raised money for freedom uh, the Louisville Freedom Fund on that front but you also recently uh, as a band endorsed uh, Democratic Senate candidate or Senate primary candidate Charles Booker and that was something that caught a lot of people's attention because you know you don't really see a lot of bands endorsing candidates um, but because of I think you you said because of everything that's that's been happening and his um, involvement with the protests you've been tear gassed at these protests um, that really struck a chord with you guys. Um, Could you talk about what that what that thought process was like for for you all and why you decided to to endorse Charles Booker?
2: Yeah, um, I think that it was an easy decision really. I mean like it definitely did speak a lot to me the fact that he was He was at these demonstrations every day. I don't know. I feel like he was so personable and, and approachable to the people that were grieving and the people that are fighting for everything that I believe in and, and he's right there on the front lines and I mean like literally getting tear gassed and I just feel like you don't you don't hear that about about a politician um, and beyond that I think that like in a time where like there seems to be this surprising hard divide between our online fan base um, like yeah now more than ever we're going to reiterate where we stand and if you're taking this at all as a I mean, it apparently reached a lot more people than we had, like our posts, apparently reached a lot more people than I had anticipated. Hopefully it reaches somebody that doesn't know about Charles Booker and hopefully they look into it and hopefully they think like as a young person um, that maybe has like the the privilege to ignore these things, um, they see it and they're like, well, I like this band, so I like what they like. Um, so it was really just for the the point of spreading his name because we we like what he stands for and i really really like the fact that he was just out there with everybody and continue continues to be out there with everybody
1: yeah and it it kind of gives him a certain amount of credibility too that he's not supported by the democratic party establishment which kind of like you know makes people think that they're kind of part of this machine or they're part of this uh this establishment um, and the fact that everything, all this big surge that he's kind of orchestrated has happened in spite of, of, of uh, the democratic establishment uh, and not because of it. And in fact, he's like competing against someone that has full fledged support of these very, very powerful and influential people. And he's at the moment, you know, possibly going to uh, win that, that fight against someone with that, that really strong financial backing and political backing. So that gives him a certain credibility. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, there's so many people that I know of and myself included. Uh, I'm not like, I'll admit that like before all of this, like I was unaware who Charles Booker was. Um, and a lot, I've heard a lot of people say that and I don't, and it's crazy because like he's, he's now like gaining this like notoriety for, for literally doing the right thing. Um, he's like out there fighting for it. Um, and it's working. And I mean, like, uh, Amy McGrath hasn't been to these demonstrations. Um, and I just feel like it's a really easy, <clears throat> it's a really easy battle to pick your side.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like in some of these red States, uh, it's like the idea of someone running as a progressive is like, Like the people that run the Democratic Party are completely allergic to that because they think well, it's just you're gonna lose so there's no we have to support people like Amy McGrath people that are like more conservative people that can appeal to like Mitch McConnell voters instead of someone that's going to maybe get a whole bunch of new people involved that were not that were kind of checked out of the political process. Uh, but i've seen people i've seen like democratic party operatives like reacting in horror to this because even though you know he's a, he's an exciting he's a you know a black man he's a he's unabashedly progressive uh and these people just see that as like a losing formula so even though that's normally something that they would tell people that we should celebrate um it's like well no this is like this is terrible the fact that he's doing well because it means that we're going to lose now
2: yeah i, I think that it, it's definitely a time where um like you said, all these people that were kind of checked out of politics um, are realizing how Im- how important their voice is. Like if they want these things to change, then they have to be a part of the change. And I think that that's why somebody like him stands the chance that he does. Um, because as like a progressive person or like a person with the same beliefs as him, there's, there's nowhere that you can look right currently without seeing the things that upset you yeah yeah
0: it's 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 grim um it's it's grim <laughs> to, to look around least, yeah. and yeah it's 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 grim to look around and you're surrounded by uh, in, in a country where people have politicized wearing a mask to prevent the spread of of a virus that's killed over 100,000 people and is projected to kill a few th- hundred thousand people or more um, it's we're seeing a national uprising around police brutality and the response has been to just give cops money for more trainings like that's going to solve the problem while they still have military weapons and an arsenal and it's grim to see we just have a, we have an election looking us in the face where no one's really motivated or, or enthusiastic about anyone and, and both of them have signaled to, to people that there's, nothing will fundamentally change so it's tough to find things to get really excited about right now, but I mean, I think that we got to hold on to things like this, like the like this this election, and then the the election in New York with Jamal Bowman and, and other progressive people unseating incumbents. Those are hopefully signs of things to come, and just the start of what I hope is just much more momentum on that front, where people are just strategically picking battles outside of these these other realms that we talked about before and focusing their energies there because that's how we can bring around bring about uh, positive change
2: yeah i mean yeah we we've spent this entire time talking about like politics but if like if the police don't kill you then the coronavirus will (laughs) right yeah like there's there's pretty true there's two like um What's his name? What's the guy that does the Transformers movies? Michael, Michael Bay? Bay. Yeah, there's two like Michael Bay situations happening at the same exact time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you never want that. You ne you never want the double Michael Bay scenario. That's always trouble. Yeah, yeah. It's me a little and bit Kevin. Too much.
2: Yeah, sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off, but um, no, you're good. Uh, I've been I've been accidentally cutting Kevin off for probably 12 years. <laughs> um, Ever since
3: we met in the fifth grade, he's just every time yeah. cutting me
2: off um <laughs> but me and Kevin were actually in southeast asia when the when the pandemic was like probably at its like i i wouldn't say it's peak but when it first really like blew oh, wow. up in um in southeast asia we were over there and it was like it was terrifying we were, we were on a tour um it was like our first time touring southeast asia and we did like a world tour where where are all the places that we played, Kevin?
3: Uh, Australia, or just in Southeast Asia, or like the whole thing? The whole thing. Yeah, it was Australia, Southeast Asia, and Japan.
2: And New Zealand, too.
3: And New Zealand, yeah.
2: But when we were in, um, we started like hearing about it on the timeline or whatever um, before we went to Southeast Asia, and it was like, it might be from China, but we don't know. And then it was like, there's cases in Indonesia, and we were like, okay, well... We're gonna be there tomorrow so hopefully we don't get sick and then we're in Indonesia and it's like there's confirmed cases cases in Malaysia and we're like oh fuck well we got to go there tomorrow so hope we don't get sick <laughs> and like meanwhile there's like people are are dying from this thing and uh, there's just still not a lot to be known about it and like the touring conditions in Southeast Asia aren't like the best I'm not like trying to feel like a pity party for myself but like they're pretty rough and we were like very stressed out like we were like man this is like f- first of all like the culture shock of being in these places for the first time second of all we're like following this virus that's killing people and i w- there was just so much uncertainty that i just kept telling myself if we make it back home we'll be all right <laughs> and then come to find out look. that the- <laughs> yeah. yeah come to find out that was the the exact opposite <laughs>
3: <laughs> I remember us getting home and we were like, okay, like, thank God we're safe. Like we're, I think we're, we're good unless it hits here. And then it was just like every day it was like new cases found here, new cases found here in like Portland, Washington. And I was like, Oh no.
1: Like, Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Fortunately in America, go you've got a strong, everyone. competent leadership that, you know, is going to deal with this and confront it and make sure everyone's okay. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> thank God.
2: De- definitely.
0: <laughs> Kevin, you were saying something the other day. Um, just kind of rolling your eyes at people who are upset about wearing masks um, and you were pointing out that you guys had had to wear masks on your way home from that tour for 13 hours or so
3: yeah uh, well, it was like every flight fine. too yeah it's it's like yeah it might suck and it's like a little uncomfortable but who, I hope like, your who blood cares? oxygen level
1: <laughs> recovered though because that's that's a really scary <laughs> possibility yeah with those things I don't know
3: my mouth was a little hot for those <laughs> for those hours so I just like kind of don't want to wear it anymore (laughs) no it was like we wore it every time we had a flight because in southeast asia you're flying almost every day and they weren't like super long it was like maybe the longest one was four hours but you're in the airport for another two hours trying to check in gear and then waiting for your flight finding your gate and everything so you're masked up the whole time and it's just you like are like okay well oh well I'll deal with it if I can just like stay safe at least. And that's what we did. So, it, it,
1: when you talk about the mask stuff, it is so funny. Like, I still had like a, a kind of boomery meme about this, but it, it did spe- say, speak to me in a certain way, where especially in the context of this uprising that's going on you have people simultaneously on one side of their mouth saying like, well, if you just listen to the police and then everything would be okay, you just have to do what you're told. And then when the government's <laughs> like, Hey, can you please wear a mask? They're like, I don't want to wear a mask. Come oh on, yeah. I don't want you can't to tell me what to do. <laughs>
2: <It's like>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's a messed up priorities there with those those folks. When, when, when you tour in Southeast Asia, you have to fly every day. Um, so like we would play, we would get to a city, go straight to the venue Load in, sound check, whatever. Like, maybe walk around the city and then you play and then you go back to like wherever you're staying um, f- and you sleep for like four hours and then you have to go to the airport. Um, so, like, in all of these flights, like at that point in time, before there was really anything that we knew about the virus, it was that like maybe it's coming from China. So we were like, well, there's like 100% um, connecting flights to and from China from these um, in these flights that we're taking in Southeast Asia and you're on a plane where you're just sharing air with everybody on the plane and we were just like yeah maybe we should wear a mask and (laughs) and then it was like maybe we should get hand sanitizer and I remember we were like we were in Malaysia and our photographer that was on tour with us Elliot me and him were walking around for so long looking for hand sanitizer and there just wasn't any. Um, and then finally we found, like, a Seven Eleven with hand sanitizer. And they were like, oh, cash only. And we were like, oh, man. So, like, now we're trying to find an ATM. Finally we found one. And, I, like, I'm not even kidding. I, it was, like, in those, like, comedies where they just sweep everything off of the shelf into the bag. Like, we, we bought every hand sanitizer that they had. <laughs> and, like, we all bought these, like, really, like, it's like... Um, these like cartoon pink dragon, like belt clips that hold your hand sanitizer. (laughs) So we all had like hand sanitizer from our belt loops. And like, um, (laughs) we were just trying our, Oh, this is like really crazy story to do with this. But like day one, we were in Indonesia and we played at like an old water park, um, where they like, they, rented a stage and put it up at this water park but like um, the water park looked abandoned um, just because it was so (laughs) old and things are just falling apart and like um, they were like you all can swim and we were like we were like sure and um, (laughs) so like we played the show and then um, we were all like hot and sweaty and we just like went and jumped in the pool and like Um, I think we were like the only ones allowed to swim. So like the band is just like in this pool and it was like in the middle of the night. And, um, like I said, we didn't know anything about this virus and it's like, Oh, it's coming from like bats and, um, not even joking. Like while we were in this pool, there were bats flying around. Um, and they would like dip into the water to like, to eat bugs (laughs) off the face of the water. And like it would happen between, like not even five feet away from you and we're just like swimming and we're like oh we think that that might be why people are getting sick like it's right there and like
3: (laughs) also just a side note about while we were in southeast asia it was during chinese new year too oh so everyone's out celebrating yeah yeah so it's just like which we didn't know it would Coronavirus would be like at this point now, but it was like groups of people everywhere.
1: Yeah. Oh wow. so yeah. It was just
0: like perfect
2: conditions. Yeah. And the shows like where you're playing in like a a 200 cap room and it's like just packed. No to the, AC. No AC. Packed to the the brim with people, and it's like uh, January was their summer, so it's like 110 degrees outside, <laughs> and um and you're playing a a hardcore show, so like you're coming in contact with every single person in the building
1: yeah. and
2: like as the singer, the second I like put the mic out into the crowd, I'm just kissing everybody there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was just like, dude, we're sick. screaming we're in your face sick. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, the, the reaction that we got in Southeast Asia was unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like you would have thought that we were like the Beatles, like, um, you, you, and I, I hear that it's like this for every band, so I'm definitely not trying to like brag or anything. But like, when you go, they can't believe that a band from America is in their country. So, like, they're so appreciative and they want pictures and they want you to sign something and they want your clothes. They're like trying to pull your shirt off of your body, they're like your hats, like, <laughs> and it and they want to take pictures with your merch person with your photographer like with just anybody that has anything to do with your camp um so like we would play i remember uh we played in i think it's pronounced johar baru malaysia and every single person like i you pro every member of my band individually probably took a picture with every single person at this venue um, yeah. <laughs> and and you would have a line of people to take a picture with you and like taking pictures you're you're sweaty you're gross and you're putting your arm around this person and <laughs> um, they're hugging you and like you're just like sharing germs and then you would watch you would take a picture with somebody and you would watch them go To the back of the line because they wanted another picture with you (laughs) (laughs) and it was to the point where we had to be escorted to our van we had like a minivan that was taking us to like an airbnb we had to be like escorted to the minivan and it was like a zombie apocalypse like people (laughs) surrounding the (laughs) minivan in the street to where we couldn't drive and they're taking pictures of us through the window and they're 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 like there was a point where we literally had to push them out of the van so that we could shut the door. And I feel like in my head, I was just like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> 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 like, there's no way. Like, if it's as dangerous as they're saying, like, we got it.
1: Yeah. Oh Seems like God. God. After you're okay, every though?
3: couple pictures, you're like, can I get some hand sanitizer? <laughs> can I get some hand
2: sanitizer? Yeah.
1: Uh, while we still had you guys, I was kind of wondering about um, growing up in a red state because I know, you know, people have certain misconceptions about red states just like oh it's just full of like dumb ignorant you know rednecks or whatever uh, reactionaries um I you know and obviously it's not like that there's a, i know there's a big like rural urban divide in terms of like people's political beliefs and everything i'm not sure what kind of milieu you guys grew up in but i'm just wondering what was it like uh growing up where you did and coming to this kind of the beliefs you have and getting into the music that you got into, like, was that was there barriers to that? Or was there were there kind of an awkwardness there um, in terms of your, your surroundings when you're growing up?
2: A misconception that a lot of people have is like you think of Kentucky and you think of like, oh, you're barefoot and you live on a farm and you're yeah. racist and that's it. And but like a misconception, that I think a lot of people have is like Louisville is a very progressive city and um it's a very like diverse city and i think that it's a very artistic city um and i I think growing up here and like even though we grew up right outside of louisville like um the the things that we do and the the culture that we're a part of is in louisville so um i think growing up like it wasn't really uh like that at all. And and like I said, I can only speak from like my experience of being like a straight white dude. But um I think that being from somewhere that people might consider the South, you're a little bit more aware of these things existing. Um but like I said, being in Louisville, like it wasn't me personally, I wasn't like directly affected by by those things. And I I was I'm my both my parents are very like open and accepting people, and like Jordan, I talk to you on Twitter all the time. I would be surprised if my mom didn't follow you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I grew up, I mean, my parents, both my parents, like raised me listening to like hip hop music and um, just really allowing me to be the person that I want to be. Um, so yeah, as a straight white dude, I can't really speak on anybody else's experience, but.
1: So kind of the same thing for you, uh, Kevin?
3: Yeah. I guess you I grew mean, up
1: in the same kind of area.
3: Yeah. I mean, I because I, I met Brian, what, fifth fifth grade, and he was at his cousin's house, like, who was lived right across the street from me. But, like, I kind of grew up the same way. Like, my mom was just very, like, do what you want to do. Like, kind of believe what you want to believe. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and kind of, yeah. like, listen to what I wanted to listen to and, like whatever music and did kind of whatever, but like always stayed like a good kid. I didn't like do anything insane, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like my own path. She didn't like push anything on me, which I'm glad cause my mom rules. So,
1: yeah, no, it's just, it's good to get this perspective. Cause I think sometimes, like I said, people have a conception about red States and they'll say like, Oh, just like, you know, because you have this like often like conservative leadership, and you see them mismanaging stuff and it's like, oh, well, fuck them. Like if they lose their jobs or if they get coronavirus everywhere, uh, you know, they, they asked for it. They deserved it because they is who they vote for. But like it's completely erases like places like Louisville and that are, like you said, super diverse and progressive. Uh, and so people just have this conception about about what these states are all about. Um, but, you know, they when they come to these conclusions, it just completely erases this whole this whole vibrant progressive tradition that's still exists in a lot of these places.
2: Mm
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, we see it a lot, especially with like natural disasters, but sometimes also with like federal funding for programs, like social safety net programs. We'll see a lot of like really comfortable, often coastal uh, or big city liberals will be like, who post like an electoral college map and be like, uh, why don't we just cut funding to all the red states? And it's just like, like the regressive policies in those states already amplify the systemic issues around poverty and other socioeconomic factors why would you want to make that worse like what message is that sending to them why would people ever support you yeah. if that's your message just like you either with us or you're fucked like that just doesn't it just that's not what it means to be a progressive it's just like we fight for everybody regardless like we just want everyone to have a better standard of life and it's just so bizarre like just some the, like the to summarily dismiss people in red states and write them off as racist or backwoods like rednecks is just so short-sighted. Why would they ever want to sympathize with you or come around to your side? It's like a short, it's just, it's just a short term view. It's so bizarre to me. So yeah, I think it's always important to get perspectives from progressives in red states because they are just as worthy and just as deserving to be heard as anybody else.
2: And the fact
1: is like even fucking reactionaries that, that, you know, have terrible political views, and and that like they also deserve to have health care and social programs, and they need to be taken care of as well. Right. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, and although um, Louisville is like a, I mean, although Kentucky is a red state, like, um, I'm pretty sure that like l- the major cities, uh, there's like probably four major cities in Kentucky, which is like Louisville, Frankfurt, Bowling Green, and Lexington. Um, I think that. Like Louisville, Frankfurt, and Lexington are all blue, um, but yeah, just like the state is, the majority of the state is red. So we're just like drowning in like shitty people. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's been it's been great to talk to you guys all about all this stuff, and um, thank you for coming on the show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah,
3: of course. Thank you for having us. Yeah,
0: thank you. it's so, awesome. So, where could people find uh, you guys on Twitter? Uh, Plug the band, their album uh, "A Different Shade of Blue" has been heralded as the best hardcore album of 2019. Some people say, even outside of hardcore, it's, it's fantastic, huge, critic uh, critically acclaimed album. Um, where can people
2: find your stuff? My Twitter is uh, Brian Garris underscore. Instagram is uh. Heathen underscore Gang, and then the band is just at Knocked Loose. On everything, I think.
3: Is it knocked loose or knocked loose HC?
2: Just knocked I, loose. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, my stuff is just K O T T E N and then three underscores. <laughs> but I barely use either.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're more more into gaming. What's your gamer tag? Cotton. <laughs> yeah. What's no, your no,
3: What's you your Twitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Twitch is k 0 tten That's
0: probably a better fit for you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which awesome. just well, thank think you. First initial and then my last name, and it spells my name on everything. Nice. Nice.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having, having us, you. man.
1: Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.